second journey part eight of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain second journey part eight having seen so many erroneous accounts in the journals of europe i thought it my duty to inform the public of the real facts before my departure for thebes i visited the pyramids in company with two other persons from europe on our arrival at these monuments they went into the first pyramid while i took a turn round the second i seated myself in the shade of one of those stones on the east side which formed the part of the temple that stood before the pyramid in that direction my eyes were fixed on that enormous mass which for so many ages has baffled the conjectures of ancient and modern writers herodotus himself was deceived by the egyptian priest when told there were no chambers in it the sight of the wonderful work before me astonished me as much as the total obscurity in which we are of its origin its interior and its construction in an intelligent age like the present one of the greatest wonders of the world stood before us without our knowing even whether it had any cavity in the interior or if it were only one solid mass the various attempts which have been made by numerous travellers to find an entrance into this pyramid and particularly by the great body of french savants were examples so weighty that it seemed little short of madness to think of renewing the enterprise indeed the late researches made by mr salt himself and by captain cabilia during four months round these pyramids were apparently sufficient to deter any one a short time before this period the few franks who resided in egypt had some idea of obtaining permission from mohammed ali and by the help of a subscription which was to be made at the various courts in europe to the amount of at least twenty thousand pounds were to force their way into the centre of this pyramid by explosions or any other means that could be suggested mr drouetti was to have had the superintendence of this work indeed it had created some difference among themselves who was to have had the direction of the whole concern was not this enough to show the difficulties i had to encounter and to make me laugh at myself if any thought of such an attempt should cross my mind besides there was another obstacle to overcome i had to consider that in consequence of what i had the good fortune to do in upper egypt and under the circumstances above mentioned it was not likely that i should obtain permission to make such an attempt for if it could be supposed that there was any possibility of penetrating into the pyramid the operation would certainly be given to people of higher influence than myself with all these thoughts in my mind i arose and by a natural impulsion took my walk toward the south side of the pyramid i examined every part and almost every stone i continued to do so on the west at last i came round to the north here the appearance of things became to my eye somewhat different from that at any of the other sides the constant observations i made on the approach to the tombs at thebes perhaps enabled me to see what other travellers did not indeed i think this ought to be considered as a standing proof that in many cases practice goes farther than theory other travellers had been also in various places where i had been and came often to the same spot where i was but perhaps did not make the observations i did i certainly must beg leave to say that i often observed travellers 
who confident of their own knowledge let slip opportunities of ascertaining whether they were correct in their notions and if an observation was made to them by any one who had not the good fortune of having received a classical education they scorned to listen to it or replied with a smile if not a laugh of disapprobation without investigating whether the observation were just or not i had often the satisfaction of seeing such travellers mortified by the proof of being wrong in their conjecture i do not mean to say that a man who has had a classical education should think himself under a disadvantage in regard to knowing such things compared with him who has not but that a man who thinks himself well informed on a subject often does not examine it with such precision as another who is less confident in himself i observed on the north side of the pyramid three marks which encouraged me to attempt searching there for the entrance into it still it is to be remarked that the principal signs i discovered there were not deduced solely from the knowledge i had acquired among the tombs of the egyptians at thebes for any traveller will acknowledge that the pyramids have little in common with the tombs either in their exterior appearance or in any shape whatever they are two different things one is formed by a vast accumulation of large blocks of stones the other is entirely hewed out of the solid rock my principal guide i must own was the calculation i made from the first pyramid and such was my assurance on this point that i then almost resolved to make the attempt i had been at the pyramids various times before but never with any intention of examining into the practicability of finding the entrance into them which was deemed almost impossible the case was now different i saw then what i had not seen before i observed that just under the centre of the face of the pyramid the accumulation of materials which had fallen from the coating of it was higher than the entrance could be expected to be if compared with the height of the entrance into the first pyramid measuring from the basis i could not conceive how the discovery of the entrance into the second pyramid could be considered as a matter to be despaired of when no one had ever seen the spot where it must naturally be presumed to exist if there were any entrance at all i further observed that the materials which had fallen exactly in the centre of the front were not so compact as those on the sides and hence concluded that the stones on that spot had been removed after the falling of the coating consequently i perceived the probability of there being an entrance into the pyramid at that spot encouraged by these observations i rejoined my companions in the first pyramid we visited the great sphinx and returned to cairo the same evening i resolved to make a closer examination the next day which i did accordingly without communicating my intention to any one as it would have excited great inquiry among the franks at cairo and in all probability i should not have obtained permission to proceed in my design the next day's examination encouraged me in the attempt i was confident that if my purpose had been known to certain persons who had influence at the court of the bashaw i should never succeed in obtaining permission on the following day therefore i crossed the nile to embabe as the kachef who commanded the province which includes the pyramids resided there i introduced myself to him and acquainted him with my intention to excavate the pyramids if it met his approbation 
his answer was as i expected that i must apply to the bashaw or to the kakia bey for a firman without which it was not in his power to grant me permission to excavate at the harans or pyramids i asked him whether he had any other objection provided i obtained the firman from the bashaw he replied none whatever i then went to the citadel and as the bashaw was not in cairo i presented myself to the kakia bey who knew me from the time i was at subra and who on my request for permission to excavate at the pyramids had no other objection than that of not being certain whether round the harans there were any ploughed grounds on which he could not grant permission to dig he sent a message to the above cacheff at imbeb who assured him that round the harans there was no cultivated land but that on the contrary it was solid rock with such an assurance i obtained a firman to the cacheff to furnish me with men to work at the pyramids my undertaking was of no small importance it consisted of an attempt to penetrate into one of the great pyramids of egypt one of the wonders of the world i was confident that a failure in such an attempt would have drawn on me the laughter of all the world for my presumption in undertaking such a task but at the same time i considered that i might be excused since without attempting we should never accomplish anything however i thought it best to keep my expedition as secret as possible and i communicated it only to mr walmus a worthy levantine merchant of cairo and partner in the house of briggs it is not to be understood that i intended to conceal the attempt i wished to make on the pyramids for the effects of my work would plainly show themselves but being near the capital where many europeans resided i could not prevent myself from being interrupted during my operations and as i knew too well how far the influence and intrigues of my opponents could be carried i was not certain that the permission i had procured might not have been countermanded so as to put an end to all my proceedings accordingly having provided myself with a small tent and some provision that i might not be under the necessity of repairing to cairo i set off for the pyramids my sudden departure from cairo was supposed to be an expedition to the mountain of mokatan for a few days as i had given out at the pyramids i found the arabs willing to work and immediately set about the operation my purse was but light for very little remained of what i received as a present from mr burckhardt and the consul and though it had been a little strengthened by the two statues i lately disposed of to the count de forban who had paid me one-third of the money on account my whole stock did not amount to two hundred pounds and if i did not succeed in penetrating the pyramid before this was exhausted i should have been at a stand before the accomplishment of my undertaking and perhaps prepared the way for others stronger than myself in purse two points principally excited my attention the first was on the north side of the pyramids and the second on the east there is on the latter side part of a portico of the temple which stood before the pyramid and which has a causeway descending straight towards the great sphinx i thought that by opening the ground between the portico and the pyramid i should necessarily come to the foundation of the temple which in fact i did i set eighty arabs to work forty on the above spot and forty in the centre of the north side of the pyramid where i observed the earth not so solid as on the east and west the arabs were paid daily one piaster each which is sixpence english money 
i had also several boys and girls to carry away the earth to whom i gave only twenty paras or three pence a day i contrived to gain their good will by trifles i gave as presents and by pointing out to them the advantage they would gain if we succeeded in penetrating into the pyramid as many visitors would come to see it and they would get bakshis from them nothing has so much influence on the mind of an arab as reasoning with him about his own interest and showing him the right way to benefit himself anything else he seems not to understand and i must confess at the same time that i found this mode of proceeding quite as efficacious in europe the works on each side continued for several days without the smallest appearance of anything on the north side of the pyramid the materials which were to be removed consisted of what had fallen from the coating notwithstanding the appearance of having been removed at a later period than the first were so closely cemented together that the men could scarcely proceed the only instrument they had to work with was a kind of hatchet or spade which being rather thin and only fit to cut the soft ground could not stand much work among stones and mortar which latter i suppose as it fell from the pyramid had been moistened by the dew and gradually formed itself almost into one mass with the stones on the east side of the pyramid we found the lower part of a large temple connected with the portico and reaching within fifty feet of the basis of the pyramid its exterior walls were formed of enormous blocks of stone as may now be seen some of the blocks in the porticoes are twenty-four feet high the interior part of this temple was built with calcareous stones of various sizes but many finely cut at the angles and is probably much older than the exterior wall which bears the appearance of as great antiquity as the pyramids in order to find the basis of the pyramid on this side and to ascertain whether there were any communication between it and the temple i had to cut through all the material there accumulated which rose above forty feet from the base and consisted of large blocks of stone and mortar from the coating as on the north side at last we reached the basis and i perceived a flat pavement cut out of the solid rock i caused all that was before me to be cut in a right line from the basis of the pyramid to the temple and traced the pavement quite to the back of it so that there was evidently a spacious pavement from the temple to the pyramid and i do not hesitate to declare my opinion that the same pavement goes all round the pyramid it appeared to me that the sphinx the temple and the pyramid were all three erected at the same time as they all appear to be in one line and of equal antiquity on the north side the work advanced towards the basis a great number of large stones had been removed and a great part of the face of the pyramid was uncovered but still there was no appearance of any entrance or the smallest mark to indicate that there ever had been one the arabs had great confidence in the hopes i had excited among them that if any entrance into the pyramid were found i would give great bakshis in addition to the advantage they would derive from other strangers but after many vain expectations and much hard labor in removing huge masses of stone and cutting the mortar which was so hard that their hatchets were nearly all broken they began to flag in their prospect of finding anything and i was about to become an object of ridicule for making the attempt to penetrate a place which appeared to them as well as to more civilized people a mass of solid stone
however as long as i paid them they continued their work though with much less zeal my hopes did not forsake me in spite of all the difficulties i saw and the little appearance of making the discovery of an entrance into the pyramid still i observed as we went on with our work that the stones on that spot were not so consolidated as those on the sides of them and this circumstance made me determine to proceed till i should be persuaded that i was wrong in my conjecture at last on the eighteenth of february after sixteen days of fruitless labour one of the arabian workmen perceived a small chink between two stones of the pyramid at this he was greatly rejoiced thinking we had found the entrance so eagerly sought for i perceived the aperture was small but i thrust a long palm-stick into it upwards of two yards encouraged by this circumstance the arabs resumed their vigour on the work and great hopes were entertained among them thus it served my purpose as the work now went on briskly i was aware that the entrance to the pyramid could not be between two stones in this manner but i was in hopes that the aperture would furnish some clue by which the right entrance would be discovered proceeding farther i perceived that one of the stones apparently fixed in the pyramid was in fact loose i had it removed the same day and found an opening leading to the interior this sort of rough entrance was not more than three feet wide and was choked up with smaller stones and sand which being removed it proved to be much wider within a second and third day were employed in clearing this place but the farther we had advanced the more materials we found on the fourth day i observed that sand and stones were falling from the upper part of this cavity which surprised me not a little at last i found that there was a passage from the outside of the pyramid by a higher aperture which apparently was thought to have had no communication with any cavity when all the rubbish was taken out and the place cleared i continued the work in the lower part beneath our feet and in two days more we came to an opening inward having made it wide enough i took a candle in my hand and looking in perceived a spacious cavity of which i could not form any conjecture having caused the entrance to be cleared of the sand and stones i found a tolerably spacious place bending its course towards the centre it is evidently a forced passage executed by some powerful hand and appears intended to find a way to the centre of the pyramid some of the stones which are of an enormous size are cut through some have been taken out and others are on the point of falling from their old places for want of support incredible must have been the labour in making such a cavity and it is evident that it was continued farther on towards the centre but the upper part had fallen in and filled up the cavity to such a degree that it was impossible for us to proceed any further than a hundred feet half this distance from the entrance is another cavity which descends forty feet see plate eleven in an irregular manner but still turns towards the centre which no doubt was the point intended by the persons who made the excavation to introduce many men to work in this place was dangerous for several of the stones above our heads were on the point of falling some were suspended only by their corners which stuck between other stones and with the least touch would have fallen and crushed any one that happened to be under them 
i set a few men to work but was soon convinced of the impossibility of advancing any farther in that excavation in one of the passages below one of the men narrowly escaped being crushed to pieces a large block of stone no less than six feet long and four wide fell from the top while the man was digging under it but fortunately it rested on two other stones one on each side of him higher than himself as he was sitting at his work the man was so incarcerated that we had some difficulty in getting him out yet happily he received no other injury than a slight bruise on his back the falling of this stone moved many others in this passage indeed they were so situated that i thought it prudent to retreat out of the pyramid or we might have reason to repent when too late for the danger was not only from what might fall upon us but also from what might fall in our way close up the passage and thus bury us alive my expectation in this passage was not great as i perceived from the beginning it could not be the true entrance into the pyramid though i had strong hopes that it would lead to some clue for the discovery of the real entrance but alas it gave me none and i remained as ignorant of it as i was before i began having spent so many days at the pyramids without being discovered by any of the people at cairo i did not expect that my retreat could be concealed much longer as there were constantly franks from cairo making a sunday excursion to the pyramids or travellers who of course made it a point to see these wonders on their first arrival at the metropolis in fact the very day i was to have quitted this work i perceived in the afternoon some people on the top of the first pyramid i had no doubt they were europeans as the arabs or turks never go up unless to accompany somebody to gain money they saw a part of my men at work at the second pyramid and concluded that none but europeans could be conducting such an operation they fired a pistol as a signal and i returned another they then descended the angle which led towards us and on their arrival proved to be monsieur l'abbé de forbin who had accompanied his cousin the celebrated count into egypt but did not proceed higher with him were the father superior of the convent of terra santa mr costa an engineer and mr gaspard a vice-consul of france by whom i was introduced to the abbé they all entered into the newly discovered passage but it gave the abbé less pleasure than a cup of coffee which he honoured me by accepting in my humble tent naturally after such a visit all the franks in cairo knew what i was doing and not a day passed without my having some visitors i was determined to proceed still farther with my researches the recent disappointment making me rather more obstinate than i was before i had given a day's rest to the arabs which i dedicated to a closer inspection of the pyramid it often happens that a man is so much engulfed in the pursuit of his views as to be in danger of losing himself if he do not quickly find the means either of an honourable retreat or of attaining the accomplishment of his intended purpose such was my case the success of my discovery of the false passage was considered as a failure i cared little what was thought of it but i was provoked at having been deceived by those marks which led me to the forced passage with the loss of so much time and labour 
however i did not despair i strictly noticed the situation of the entrance into the first pyramid and plainly saw that it was not in the centre of the pyramid i observed that the passage ran in a straight line from the outside of the pyramid to the east side of the king's chamber and this chamber being nearly in the centre of the pyramid the entrance consequently must be as far from the middle of the face as the distance from the centre of the chamber to the east side of it having made this clear and simple observation i found that if there were any chamber at all in the second pyramid the entrance or passage could not be on the spot where i had excavated which was in the centre but calculating by the passage in the first pyramid the entrance into the second would be near thirty feet to the east satisfied with this calculation i repaired to the second pyramid to examine the mass of rubbish there i was not a little astonished when i perceived the same marks which i had seen on the other spot in the centre about thirty feet distant from where i stood this gave me no little delight and hope returned to cherish my pyramidical brains i observed in the spot also that the stones and mortar were not so compact as on the east side which mark had given me so much encouragement to proceed in the first attempt but what increased my hopes was an observation i made on the exterior of the front where the forced passage is i observed the stones had been removed several feet from the surface of the pyramid which i ascertained by drawing a line with the coating above to the basis below and found the concavity was inclined to be deeper towards the spot where i intended to make my new attempt any traveller who shall hereafter visit the pyramids may plainly perceive this concavity above the true entrance such has been the effect of two different hints first my old guide from thebes i mean the spots where the stony matter is not so compact as the surrounding mass and secondly the concavity of the pyramid over the place where the entrance might have been expected to be found according to the distance of the entrance into the first pyramid from its centre i immediately summoned the arabs to work the next day they were pleased at my recommencing the task not in hopes of finding the entrance into the pyramid but for the continuation of the pay they of course were to receive as to expectation that the entrance might be found they had none and i often heard them utter in a low voice the word magroon in plain english madman i pointed out to the arabs the spot where they had to dig and such was my measurement that i was right within two feet in a straight direction as to the entrance into the first passage as will be seen from plates nine and ten and i have the pleasure of reckoning this day as fortunate being that on which i discovered the entrance into the great tomb of Semethis at thebes the arabs began their work and the rubbish proved to be as hard as that of the first excavation with this addition that we found larger blocks of stone in our way which had belonged to the pyramid besides the falling of the coating the stones increased in size as we went on a few days after the visit of the abbe de forbin i was surprised by the appearance of another european traveller it was the chevalier frediani who on his return from the second cataract of the nile came to visit the great pyramids 
i had known him at thebes on his ascending the nile and was much pleased to see him as i thought he might be an impartial spectator of the event of my operations which in fact he was he greatly approved of my undertaking but after being two days with me was ready to take his departure i suppose he had as much expectation that i should open the pyramid as the arabs who named me the magnoon it happened that on the very day he was to set off for cairo i perceived in the excavation a large block of granite inclining downward at the same angle as the passage into the first pyramid and pointing towards the centre i requested the chevalier to stay till the morrow thinking perhaps he might have the pleasure of being one of the first who saw the entrance into the pyramid he consented and i was pleased to have a countryman of my own to be a witness of what passed on this important occasion the discovery of the first granite stone occurred on the twenty eighth of february and on the first of march we uncovered three large blocks of granite two on each side and one on the top all in an inclined direction towards the centre my expectation and hope increased as to all appearance this must prove to be the object of my search i was not mistaken for on the next day the second of march at noon we came at last to the right entrance into the pyramid the arabs whose expectation had also increased at the appearance of the three stones were delighted at having found something new to show to the visitors and get bakshis from them having cleared the front of the three stones the entrance proved to be a passage four feet high three feet six inches wide formed of large blocks of granite which descended towards the centre for a hundred and four feet five inches at an angle of twenty six degrees nearly all this passage was filled up with large stones which had fallen from the upper part and as the passage is inclined downwards they slid on till some larger than the rest stopped the way end of part sixteen